price. Ah, the fresh. But what rate? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. Good night, Mr. Wanton. Good night. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Recording from a luxury machine-free tent. Somewhere on the slopes of Smogville Mountain, this is World Champion Podcast, Season 3, Episode 4. My name's Brighton. And I'm Sean. We are two gentlemen who signed a lucrative contract with the mysterious Senor Oro del Burro. Now we have the pleasure of recording the greatest podcast in the world, always championing. Forever championism. Right. Those are our mottos. That's Latin. Championism. Champius championinum. Champ- yes, what that is, I'll go back and find out what that is and write it down. It's championing championship. Exactly. We talk about anything and everything we feel like, forgotten corners of pop culture, remembered corners of pop culture, other mysteries of the world. We talk good, we talk true, we talk fast, and you never know what you're going to hear. Except this week, which is week two of Stephen King Month. That's true. When I say you never know, sometimes we do announce it. We do announce it. Yeah, all that stuff I just said is mostly not true. But you also never know what we recorded because I, I'm having some trouble here. It's the schedule says week two maximum overdrive. Yeah, but we were supposed to record a, a podcast about it. I know, and I I owe you an apology. I guess did you record it? I thought. Did you, you do it without me? No, I I I can't really remember what I was doing. Yeah, it's really a blur because we just have our set time every week where mm-hmm. we record, but I I don't remember what happened. Yeah. And I look on the feed, and there's just kind of a blank space yep. where the episode should be. So, And I've just been having weird dreams about turtles, so I just... Our apologies. We were supposed to do it, but let's just let's go right on through to, to week two of Stephen King Month with the 1987 classic Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive. If you want to pause and go watch it, it's on HBO Go and HBO Now on mm-hmm. your streaming device. And and just pull out your VHS copy because I know you already have it. Right. Um, so this dust off that VCR. Written and directed by Stephen King himself. Right. And starring Stephen King, he's the first human face we see. And I I love that cameo. And uh, based on his short story, Trucks. The story's called Trucks. Trucks. So was it an actual? Was it written for a screenplay or was this? No, Trucks was published in June of 1973 in an issue of Cavalier Magazine. Oh, wow. Later collected in 1978, Night Shift. So this is an early story, an early idea. I guess so, yeah. That, that was, 73 was before he published his first novel, right? Yeah, it's yeah. before Carrie, and I'm not sure what else. Was Sa- Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot, yeah, it was right after Carrie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's get into it. So... Uh, the premise of this film, basically, from what I understand, is a comet flies by Earth. It makes, and, it, and we're going to be in the tail of the comet for seven days, and it makes all the machines turn evil and right. come alive. And the sky turns green at night. Yeah, and which is cool. A, yeah, and all the machines come alive, and we're going to have to talk about it later, but there's some real problems on what 
constitutes a machine right. and what doesn't. That's mainly what I want to get into, but let's we'll we'll get to it. There's a lot of really deep philosophical discussions to have here. Yeah. Um, okay, so so we're in the tail of a comet. Stephen King is trying to get money from a, an ATM, and it keeps calling him an asshole. Yeah. Uh, then there's a bridge disaster, which makes it the second time on this program we've discussed a tragic bridge disaster. Oh, that's true, with the Mothman. Going back to the Mothman. Yes. This one was just caused by a bridge that wanted to go up on its own. Right, and it was... I love that every vehicle had plate glass windows instead of that, like... Uh, what do they call it? That uh, spider webbing glass? Yeah. Did you know you can uh, throw a watermelon at a windshield and it will shatter? Shatter like a, like a wind like a plate glass window. Yeah. It's it's. I didn't know if they had just decided to add the shatterproof windows after this. Maybe after they saw the movie, the glass industry. Yeah. Went back to the drawing board, created that pebble glass or whatever. I know because be, because there could be a watermelon flying through the air at any. This was a big era of watermelons. We got Gallagher breaking watermelons with hammers. True. He's the top comic, even funnier than pulling tissues out of a tissue box. <laughs> you got a guy hitting watermelons with a hammer. That's I remember my parents watching like Showtime specials, like staying up late at night Saturday night. It's time for the Gallagher show. Well, not to brag, but when I was a kid, we had cable. Right. Oh. And I remember going Ooh. to the cable store mm-hmm. to get our first cable box. And we right. had to wait a really long time. It felt like a long time. I was six or seven years old. Mm-hmm. Could have been ten minutes. <laughs> right. Felt like forever. And they had this giant poster for that thing on the wall, a Gallagher poster. Oh, wow. Like Gallagher live like on Showtime. Like that's an incentive to get cable. To come get cable for Gallagher. And I was so terrified by this terrifying man. You he were. is creepy. His head, he, his head is, is like so big, like he's Bert from Bert and Ernie. And he, he dresses pretty much like Mork on Mork and Mindy. Yeah. And he, he looks, he, he, he's maybe the ultimate late 70s man. Yeah, just sleaze, sleazy <laughs> late 70s man. Right. Like, like a really tight T-shirt with a really low neck and lots of chest hair and then suspenders. Suspenders, striped shirt. He wore a kind of a paperboy hat. Yeah. Pan- and, and he was like, and this was a point in time where you're about 10 years removed from the summer of love. And so he's like the gross, dark side of free love. Yeah. Like he's hanging around waiting for that free love, but it's a lot. It's like it's like through this dark mirror. He's the guy that is telling his buddies like, oh, those those college chicks. Yeah. You go down to the bar where all the college chicks mm-hmm. hang out. And this is like a 45-year-old man. Yeah, with his gross long <laughs> hair coming out of his newsboy cap and his mustache. Drunk on power. Drunk maybe, on power. Maybe the most powerful man in the world in the mid-80s. With his watermelon. Oh, I hate it. Smashing watermelons. Here we are on a bridge that's that's going up, and there's just a watermelon truck just, just filled, open filled to the brim. Yeah. Nothing deadlier. Nothing. Nothing's tied down. Just a big <laughs> box of watermelons going through windows. And I, I think it killed a woman. A watermelon smashed through a windshield and probably yeah. killed a woman. I think it killed a few people. I guess up until this point, no cars couldn't park on hills. Because yeah. the, the bridge is going up in the middle with cars on it, and mm-hmm. it's just barely at an incline, and cars are just sliding off. They're like going flipping right now. over. Yeah. I know, they're top-heavy. I don't understand how the motorcyclist fell off the bridge in the first place. He was there, the first one to go. There was, there was a lot of strange physics going on. Yeah. And maybe that's part of the, the evil machine's powers. I guess that could have been the comet was messing up gravity. Mm-hmm. That makes sense yeah. to me. Uh, the great ACDC soundtrack. So we open with Who Made Who, oh, which at first almost sounded like a parody of that kind of song. It did. But I, I, it all came back to me. I must have watched this movie 15 times when I was a kid. And, it was, and I, I really liked the soundtrack. And so it was nice to have. I even remember the, the kind of like 
slow bluesy parts. Is that also ACDC? There's a I, lot. Of, I don't there's know. a lot of instrumental guitar parts where because they got a couple hits in there. They got yeah. Who Made Who and like Hell's Bells. Hell's Bells is in there. And uh, for those about to rock, we salute you. But then they also have a bunch of kind of like. I don't know. Just, it's just that bar music. It's like the kind of music that plays when like a gunslinger shows up. Yeah. Like kind of this bluesy electric guitar. Or when the cop, when the alcoholic cop. Oh, that's better. Yeah. Is sitting there. And then the, the like the suit with his shirt buttoned up all the way and his crisp tie. And he mm. says, tell you what, come have a drink with me. Mm. And then they're, they're commiserating. Right. It's kind of lethal weapony. Yeah. The quieter moments of lethal weapon. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know why we can't catch this guy. Oh, man. It's because he's not afraid of you, Murphy. So I'm hoping the whole thing's ACDC. I should have looked it up, but... uh, It must be. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Well, how many movies have you seen where the soundtrack... Where when it lists the the band providing the soundtrack music, it has their logo. That's true. In in a movie that's not about that band. I don't think I've ever seen that except this one. I know that Stephen King really loves rock and rock and roll. Yeah, he he does. name drops a lot of bands in his books. Yeah. And so I just imagine this was... Like, this was probably a lot of fun to make yeah, as a too, director. Yeah, it's too bad he doesn't remember it. <laughs> is this during his blackout days? Yeah, this is during his blackout days. He said he didn't know what he was doing. He didn't remember it. Why is he <laughs> directing this movie in the first place? Um, like, what's going on in Hollywood? That's when just the way Hollywood works, man. They're so... You always hear about Hollywood not taking risks. Mm. Oh, they're just doing another reboot of Spider-Man. Hollywood won't take risks. But when they do take risks, they're just inexplicable. This is the, the one that I've thought about for years is how Teen Wolf went from a script to a film. I still cannot, <laughs> yeah. cannot figure out how they greenlit. It must have been the blackout period for all. the Everyone's on cocaine. And, yeah. But I think, like, I don't know what the story was, but I've, I've thought about that so many times. Like, how did Teen Wolf get made? Yeah. And this is in that same category. Let's have a horror writer direct a film about evil cars. $9 million budget. Go blow some stuff up. Yeah. Like, you think... All the, the whole budget was for explosives. Yeah. There's a <laughs> lot. Also, give a writer a... You know, you can see him directing, like, a haunted house show or something. Mm-hmm. But this thing with all these stunts and special effects and explosions... Kind of a technical Give it to a guy film. who's never wrangled a film before in right, his life. Right, right. Well, and that came back to haunt everybody. I don't know if you read the behind-the-scenes stuff. No. So there were two accidents on the set. Oh, no. One, it's, it's really shitty and sad, but it's just a little too on the nose. Okay. A remote-controlled lawnmower went out of control. No. <laughs> yeah. Really? So the plot of the movie started actually happening. The lawnmower crashed into a pile of wood that was holding up the camera. The wood splintered, and the cinematographer lost his eye. His eye? Yeah. Oh, my God. Sued everybody for $18 million. Double the budget. Court. Yeah, double the budget. Double the budget of the film. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when your director's blacked out, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just so, yeah, get your, direct this. Wow. What, what was like? What was he coming off of aside from just being a famous book writer? Yeah, I mean... Like so, nothing, right? So it's 1986. As far as I know, he's never dabbled in film at all no he sits at his typewriter his old he has some old-fashioned word processor famously mm-hmm. i think yeah he's he's, a, he's a, a huge celebrity as a writer though yeah the, yeah this uh, the height of his fame height of his fame they've like, already they've made a bunch i guess they f- they figured how hard could it be to make a movie because the, the shining <laughs> yeah. is out at this point i imagine yes yeah, so, so kubrick so kubrick like how hard could this be yeah if kubrick can bang out the shining in only <laughs> 972 takes of a particular line reading. Right. Why can't Stephen King just do this? It only was probably a a full year of of filming or something like that. Maybe two years. 
Mitch Hedberg has a joke where he says, I'm a comedian, but everyone wants me to act, but I'm just a comedian. They always say, oh, you're a comedian? Can you act? That's like saying, oh, you're a cook? Can you farm? <laughs> yeah, that's it's very true. And, and this this is a farmer trying to cook right now. Yeah. Because I guess, I don't know, a lot of kind of B-horror movies, this is this is kind of, it's it's okay. I mean, it's it could be a lot worse when you hear, let's get a writer to direct a film. He certainly has an eye for framing a shot. Mm. He did a great job on that, on his uh, shot composition. Um, the fir- Obviously, when he went into the meeting to plan out the film, the first thing he wrote was broad comedy. <laughs> like, this is the kind of comedy you'd find in a local commercial mm-hmm. that's too loud and only airs late at night and cuts off weird right. for the local mattress barn. He's like, all right, people in the South are slack-jawed rednecks. Mm-hmm. We're going to have some poop noises. <laughs> I want a guy getting hit in the nuts with a Coke can, not once, not twice, three times. Thrice. Yes. <laughs> You've got to talk like a writer. Yeah. Not once, not twice, thrice. Thrice. More. No. <laughs> Damn it. The Coke can. I'm not convinced his nuts are in pain. Can we get the crew in here? Why are the Coke cans not flying out at a greater velocity? No, open your mouth wider. I want those eyes crossed. Oh, yeah. There, there was a lot of direction on that actual acting. Yeah. You could tell by the waitress. Let's, oh, let's talk God. about some of the characters. Yeah. So, so everyone, this is a lot like Night of the Living Dead, except if the zombies were trucks and machines. Yes. It also reminded me a lot of Tremors. Yeah. Because they're kind of all stuck in a, a building. Yeah. A bunch of people coming together stuck in a building. Um. So Emilio Estevez, mm-hmm. looking a lot like Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Short order cook. He's got an earring. He's got real bloodshot eyes. Real sweaty. I was thinking, I was looking at his eyes, too. Yeah. I wonder what, what he was. This must have been a blackout period for him, too. For just everybody. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, he, he plays Bill. Yeah. So he works at this diner truck stop video arcade mm-hmm. uh, this, that is run by a real tycoon. Right. So in the nobility of the the American aristocracy, right. where do where does rural truck stop tycoon fit in? <laughs> I know this is kind of on par with uh, what's his name, Boss Hog. Yeah, he's very uh, a, very much a Boss Hog character. Or the, he, he owns uh, the boards. He owns a bar. I guess he's also like the mayor or something. Yeah, like. or like the uh, car dealership owner in Roadhouse. Right. Some small. Like, how big must your ego be to think you've got this great power and be chomping cigars when you own a truck stop on the interstate? I just kind of assume, God, he's very hands-on. Because I, I yeah. sort of assumed he owned lots of them. But then I guess, why is he hanging out at this one? Yeah. And all his stuff is there. His arsenal is there. This is. This is like you used car salesman tycoon. <laughs> um, one tiny dealership with yeah. like 14 cars on the lot. So there's all these horrifying scenes of people getting destroyed and just covered in red paint. <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta talk about how uh, Bill Emilio Estevez's character is, is a felon of some sort. Yeah, so he's on probation, mm-hmm. which means he has to have a job or he goes back to jail. So the tycoon's dastardly plan, mm-hmm. way of screwing these people over, he's gonna make them work nine hours, but only clock in for eight. 
So he's gonna. So this guy's gonna save. How much is Emilio Estevez making in 1986 at Truck Stop Diner? Six dollars an hour, at, maybe at best. Yeah. So he's gonna save himself an extra six bucks a day. <laughs> but that's not what it's about. It's just about the power. I know. I kept he's thinking, a tycoon, man. I sort of. I, I thought about it a lot longer than I think as an audience member you're supposed to think about it because yeah. I kept thinking that's pretty reasonable. Like as far as bad evil characters go that are screwing over the protagonist, making them work nine hours and only paying for eight is kind of reasonable in. When it comes on an evil scale, you know. Yeah, well, I think everything about this tycoon guy is just scaled down for what it is. If he owned a chain of truck stops, it'd make him work ten hours. Oh, okay. If he owned a, a chain of car dealerships, this is like kind of a small time kingpin. Yeah, yeah. You just work your way up. <laughs> this is like single A ball for right. tycoons, for evil tycoons. Okay, it makes sense. I'll go with that. Uh, so then we get this Bible salesman and Brett coming in. He picked her up. Hitchhiking? Yeah. So Brett's this modern-day-looking hipster mm -hmm. in, in that modern hipsters look like they're from 1986. Right. Um, and I got to hand it to, to this actor. She memorized her lines <laughs> and said them out loud. That's right. She did repeat them. She <laughs> this is a love story for the ages. <laughs> yeah. A lot of time was devoted to it. It was... It was so surreal and weird. As a, as a kid, this I thought this movie just really was, in it, like you know, just hitting on every cylinder. <laughs> yeah, it was like everything was coming together. And this love story, I just felt the passion as a kid. But as an adult watching it, she says first thing she says to him is after a horrific murder. Yeah. Or accident. I guess at this point they think it's an accident. Someone yeah. gets run over or something. Their head explodes. Yeah. And then she comes out while Emilio Estevez is like investigating the truck and goes vroom vroom. <laughs> yep. You're kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> and then by the next scene, there's so much tension between them. There's only, I think, one more line from her yeah. before they're in bed. And where she says, you make love like a hero. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's I, for someone who is known for characterization, Stephen King, Yeah, these characters were weirdly... Weird, they were almost like characters from a comic book or something. They were... There wasn't much to almost anybody. There was, wasn't anything to the characters. The dialogue was so bad. Very bad. Okay, so I wrote down before they made love, like heroes. She's talking about her old life or something. I was zoned out on what she was saying. She goes, that's what I was doing before every machine in the world went into maximum overdrive. I know, I like then that. long pause, yep. and then she looks down and starts crying and goes, I'm scared. The great thing about that is up to this point she's been so nonchalant and yeah. like and just kind of flippant about what's going on and and yeah, and then she just ha she just absolutely crumbles in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, I thought a lot about this couple too. He's some kind of criminal that works as a fry cook at a gas station. She's a hitchhiking like I don't even know what she is, some like yeah. orphan hitchhiking that carries a straight razor with her. Yeah. Like, they're going to go on to have a super white trash family, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he's going to go back to jail, likely. Like, this is not going to play out into some kind of Romeo. I guess it will play out like Romeo and Juliet. It'll be tragic. <laughs> yeah. Tragic for everybody involved. Right. <laughs> well, then we've got the honeymoon couple. Maybe maybe that's them in the future. Oh, yeah. With uh, Lisa Simpson and her, yeah. her heroic husband. Yeah, he, that guy was, he was pretty good for being just a wimpy city guy. He kept, again, they couldn't decide if they were horrified by the situation or kind of, like, jazzed about it. Yeah. Like, there's a scene later where Emilio Estevez, where they find, like, the trucks want 
them to refill them with gas. Yeah. And Emilio Estevez is thrilled. Yeah. He's like, hot dog, let's get to it. <laughs> he starts laughing and like running And around. then he's insulting the trucks. <laughs> <laughs> he does a nice chest bump with one of the trucks. Yeah. Like he gets into a he fist does. fight almost with a truck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you've got uh, a little kid coming. Oh, yeah, the kid on his bike. And his his whole story is like this this j- heroic journey through the, through the suburbs to get to this yeah. gas station. Very Stephen King. It's right out of The Stand or Desperation. Yeah. He other lo- stories. There's always someone going through a town and everyone's dead gruesomely and we don't know why. He also loves kids. He loves like a little kid character and a lot of his books oh, yeah. have that. that oh, life. yeah, because there were so many shots of him riding his bike and it felt like It or Stranger Things. Yeah. Which I guess those both came after this. So whatever. That's true, yeah. but also there's a kid in Salem's Lot. I just recently recently read that. Yeah. He, he's like the heroic little kid that's yeah. with him too. Yeah, and this kid, we spend a lot of time with him, if with little payoff. And then the, yeah, then I mean, you just kind of forget. Once he gets to the gas station, it's like, well, just kind of get in, get in, get in there. Get in here with the rest of us. <laughs> with the rabble. He here. doesn't bring any news to them. He doesn't save anybody. Yeah, he just kind of shows up. And then the, yeah, and later he machine guns a uh, drive-through order machine <laughs> human alert what's it saying yeah, it's something like that humans are here yeah. humans are here <laughs> yeah. humans are here or something i like that yeah we gotta save all that the the kind of uh how these machines are working towards till the end yeah because we, really, we really gotta break down some of yeah some of how this was happening so as this disaster unfolds the uh waitress in the diner gets attacked by the electric carving knife mm-hmm. and then emilio smashes it with a hammer a to- totally normal reaction. This is before they know the the machines have gone evil. Yeah. So for all, and no one really saw it. She just kind of was cut suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> he runs in with a hammer and <laughs> smashes it. He he could have grabbed it by the part that wasn't sharp and turned it off or tried. <laughs> tried to turn it off. So then there's a guy in the arcade and the, the arcade machines, the vending machines start going nuts. They're giving out money, mm-hmm. cigarettes all over the place, and he says, "Yo, mama." <laughs> And I really thought Stephen King had a better ear for dialogue than that. Yeah. <laughs> Again, the, the, the dialogue throughout the whole movie was so weird. Yeah. Now, that guy who got electrocuted by a game of uh, Space Invaders or whatever mm-hmm. was Giancarlo Esposito, from Gus from Breaking Bad and all really? sorts of stuff. Yeah. Oh, wow. Very well-respected actor. Was he hypnotized by the machine first? That's kind of the vibe I got. Oh, maybe. There was all the flashing colors and stuff. And yeah. That uh, makes sense. I mean, the machine skill set is undefined. <laughs> Power set. Right. You know, like how Superman can fly around the world and turn back time. Maybe these machines can hypnotize. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff we don't know. Um, so what else happens? There's a, there's a waitress who cannot come to terms with what's happening. Yeah, two, two very powerful scenes where she runs out and <laughs> screams, We made you! We made you! Like, yeah. she just cannot wrap her mind around... Machines uprising, and the second time, really the same scene as the first time, except now they, so now, now they have a gun. Yeah. Now I have a machine, machine gun. gun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> yeah. What, what, oh man, what about that? Early on, when people get killed, it would play this variation of the psycho theme. It was that weird. I think it was. I think it was Brian Johnson's voice, the singer of ACDC, <laughs> just like yelping, <laughs> and edited <laughs> into that. <laughs> so I think it was that and a guitar note of him just going. <laughs> It might have been because that was so strange. It was so loud. Yeah, and it must. This is someone I get. I guess again, Stephen King has no ex, no experience, so he's just like, "How about a psycho?" Yeah, that's scary. 
Just have that. that Just have that be the theme when people die. Because it couldn't be any more similar to the psycho sound than it is. Besides having the ACDC guy (laughs) screeching. Right. No, it's exactly what it is. Which is actually an upgrade if you think about it. Than just a violin. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. It's think about. You don't even need guitars and stuff for his voice. When they when they isolate his voice, that's all you need. Oh yeah. Listen to that right now. Yes, I'm back. Ooh, I'm back, mama. Yes, I'm back. Ooh, I'm back, back, mama. Back in black. Well, I'm back in black. Yeah, I mean, ima- imagine maybe other classic film scores performed by <laughs> acapella by Brian Johnson. Mama. Oh, that's cool. I like it. Stop it. It's, it's weird. <laughs> I know. What could it even be? It would, it would have to be the melodies. But, I mean, what, what melody fits as well as a psycho? Yeah. Like, it's so, it's a very rock and roll kind of, of I don't it's, even know if you'd call it a sound effect or, or a score. Yeah, I don't know what it it's is. It's kind of both. Yeah. It's kind of like the score to the new Blade Runner movie. Yeah. Is it music or is it a sound effect? Yeah. I don't know. It's both. I mean, speaking of just the sound in this movie, another thing, broad comedy, bullet point two, glass breaking all the time. <laughs> and there's a part at the end when they want the gas and Emilio Estevez is like, all right, let's do it. And for no reason at all, he grabs a bottle and throws it on the ground. Dude, speaking of glass breaking for no reason, what about the guy that pushes those swinging doors out and goes, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. It shatters both windows. Oh, yeah. Just busts it. Yeah. There's nothing happening. He yeah. just comes into the room. Yeah. I rewatched it like three times. <laughs> and screaming, just everybody's screaming. And I was thinking there was a lot of, of people alive still. Like in these type of stories, they usually have five or six characters, you know, like in yeah. Tremors or something trapped in this. Yeah. But there was like... Bunch of guys, a bunch of truckers that didn't even have lines. They're just guys in the background. At the end, when well, they're making their escape, I was like, where have these guys been? Right. But I mean, the I was I should have known that something I love in, in horror movies is when there's lots of people in the cast. Because yeah. then you know that there's going to be a lot of murders and yeah. deaths. And so it didn't, for some, for some reason, it didn't occur to me until the little like Jeep with the machine gun showed up and shoots like seven people yeah. in the first scene. Which is really great, because up to that point, you're thinking it wouldn't be really that hard to outmaneuver a semi. Yeah. Like, like if it's got a running start at you, it's going to be real dangerous. They're really bad at turning. They're uh, Yeah, they're very bad at turning. And you could, with a bicycle, probably outmaneuver them. Yeah. You can just so, go to where there's not a road. Right. So when, so when the little Jeep thing with the machine gun shows up, it really... Yeah, finally raises, raises the stakes. Raises the stakes to a point that's acceptable to me, and along with the big bulldozer that can now drive, through, drive the right building, through the building, right where they're they're hiding. Usually in these movies, there's there is always one really annoying guy, like in Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, um, this he gets killed off right up front, and oh, usually the, the Bible salesman. Yeah, usually in these movies, the annoying guy kind of gets killed at the end when he acts cowardly or something. Mm-hmm. And I was glad because I hated that character so much. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be real repulsive. When he's trying yeah. to sell the Bibles and he's eating the egg salad sandwich uh, and like disgusting. spitting all over. Yeah. And, but then yeah. they hear him. So he gets backed into by the truck. Mm-hmm. We haven't even mentioned the protagonist, which is a big semi with the green goblin. A cool. Uh, a big fiberglass green goblin on the front. It's a cool protagonist. I yeah. loved it as From a Spider-Man. kid because of that. I, I yeah. don't know how well that translated to people that were older than 10 years old, but yeah, I thought it was cool. So it's kind of the ringleader of all this uh, mayhem. I almost felt 
like in my memory it had more of a presence though. I must have added a lot with my own imagination. Yeah. Just like the love story seemed real real passionate. Yeah. And all the characters were well defined. They this this I remember I for some reason thought it communicated with them more somehow. Yeah. It doesn't. The, no, it's not until the military thing shows up with its Morse code. And of course, the military truck knows Morse code. Yeah. Oh, that's why the kid had to be there because he was the one who knew Morse oh, code. Oh, yeah. He got his merit badge. He got his merit badge. Okay, so suddenly he, he is a plot device more than a character. But um, that's fine. Yeah. So, so they, at, at one point, they hear the Bible salesman who's covered in mud in a ditch <laughs> beyond this truck moat, this mm. truck barricade. They hear him just moaning or cackling or. Yeah. And decide to save him, right? Or is God. it someone else they're going to save? No, they're going to save him. And so they crawl through the sewers, and there, there was just no plot to this movie, so this happens in real time. <laughs> There's a 10-minute-long scene of Emilio and some other guy crawling through the sewers and to you know try what? to get to him and save him. He becomes a plot device also, because there's no re- real reason... Like, it's to make them do something. It's to make them learn about the sewer escape. Because otherwise, they would just be sitting in there yeah. in the truck stop. Yeah. So that gives them a purpose to, to go through the little, weird little sewer. Oh, it just takes forever. Yeah. And, well, then, then, it, and then it's so pointless. It, he yeah. totally is a plot device because yeah. the kid shows up right there. Yeah. And then the guy's <laughs> dead, like, awake with his... Or asleep with his eyes open or something. Yeah. He's laying there covered in mud, just staring dead-eyed to the world. And the kid's slapping him yeah, and saying, hey, Wake mister. up, mister. Wake yeah. up, mister. So uh, I'm not sure what exactly was wrong with him. Yeah. Unless he was some kind of robot, and he was had a screensaver going inside his head. Oh, that's what it was. He was, mm-hmm. a, he was a data. He was. So he, he just grabs the kid, and then he's like, let go of me, mister. I'll go get help. And that's about it. And then, the guy, and then he dies. Yeah. He just dies right there. So they don't really have to save him, but they're just like, well, I guess we'll save this kid while we're out here. <laughs> yeah. So that's nice, I guess. And the kid, his dad was the guy that got diesel in his eyes? Yeah. Okay. One guy sprayed it <laughs> like you do when the yeah. gas stops pumping oh and you, you're holding the handle down. You just look right in the hole. Yeah. Stare at Blow into it. Blow and then into just it. stare into it. Stare into it. There's only one reason gas stops pumping, and that's if the nozzle's clogged. Right. Don't go look at the machine. Don't think, oh, maybe, I, maybe we're out. Maybe it ran out of money. Yeah. No, yeah, so he's dead. So yep. there's this the big truce that's called where they want food. Yes. They say, feed us. So all these trucks come from all around wanting gas. And that's when Bill's just thrilled. Yeah. Ha-ha! Like just, Grabbing bottles and throwing them. Yeah. And <laughs> can't wait to fill up all the trucks with gas. I guess that's an excuse for a montage, though. Yeah, so then it's a really long gas-filling-up montage. Which is super interesting to watch people pump gas. Which, yeah, can you imagine seeing that on the script? I, there's yeah. got to be a producer, somebody that was like, you're going to have a montage where they're filling a car with gas. Literally the low point of anyone's day in, in real life. <laughs> yeah. It's the part of the week that you, you do not look forward to is that 15 minutes of pumping gas. Maybe the most boring 15 minutes of your entire week. And and then let's 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 put this on the silver screen, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with some with some ACDC behind it. And then the just the brilliant the passion King. after it, where everyone is so exhausted from pumping gas in the hot sun, mm-hmm. like that's what the stakes are now. A bunch of people just got shot to death, and now we're supposed to care that they're tired. Well, the thing like that I'm, I... the woman just, uh, but Brett, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just so tired. The thing I kept thinking about is what was. Like, they know that the trucks want gas, mm-hmm. but had, had Bill thought any further about what's going to happen as soon as they run out of gas? 
Because the, all they've been trying to do with these machines is murder everyone. So yeah. as soon as you're no longer useful, there's a scene with the confrontation we talked about earlier where Emilio Estevez is chest bumping against a Mack truck and going, mm-hmm. what do you want from me? What do you want? We're all out of gas. And wouldn't, yeah. he be, wouldn't he, as soon as the gas ran out, just run as fast as you could back into the building? Because suddenly you're no longer useful. Yeah, or run into a field away from the big prime target. Or here's another th- uh, idea. Where, where trucks can't go. How about the safest place you can go? Climb into the truck. Oh, yeah. Unless it starts hitting you with like the stick shift. I don't know what it could do inside the truck. <laughs> like, you were safe there. It could try to crash itself into a wall. I guess. Did, but did, were any of the machines real suicidal like that? I guess no. they were rough. And even when the machine thing started, like the, the married couple, their car still worked just fine. I kept thinking about that. Which, like... How did some machines go evil and others were just remained good? Was it just the aliens could only control machines that had bad attitudes? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because that newly Well, that's one of the big questions mm-hmm. that we need to tackle. Let's get through the rest of the plot, yeah, and then so, we'll tackle the, the real deep stuff. Yeah. Um, so they fill it. He just bumps a truck. What happens after that? Well, he's got the grenade. Oh, that's when they're they sick of They have all the... these weapons. Yeah, this... So they've that, had the whole time. That was very convenient for the for the plot, for a gas station o- owner to have his basement filled with rocket launchers and grenades and stuff. Yeah. Like most gas stations... God, maybe most gas stations in the U.S. are like that. Yeah, gas station tycoons. <laughs> yeah, so he blows it up with a grenade, then they just run uh, um, to a boat, because he knows that there's a boat nearby that doesn't need power. This sailboat. Is, this is literally the plot of Dawn of the Dead. The, the end of Dawn oh, yeah. of the Dead, they get a boat and go to an island with no people on oh, it. Oh, yeah. In this case, it's like, let's get a rowboat where there's no machines. So they kill a bunch of cars on the way. That, this is the fun part. This is where I said this would be a hell of a fun movie to make. You're listening yeah. to ACDC all day. You're drinking, clearly, until yeah. you black out. And then you're just having people wreck shit. You're blowing yeah. up trucks. There's a scene where they just wreck the whole gas station. Yeah, the trucks run over the building, knock down the the cover of where the pumps are, and I'll bet you Stephen King must have been laughing his ass off. Yeah, <laughs> there's a scene where they walk. It's really eerie. In a better movie, it would be the creepiest thing, where a plane has crashed into a school bus, mm-hmm. like straight up and down. But why didn't those things explode when this movie has shown that every single thing explodes right. really bigly? <laughs> right. I mean, they they shoot a, a, a drive-in order-taking thing. I have no idea what those are called. Oh, yeah. The thing that's warning. A, a drive-through menu speaker. speaker. They shoot that and it explodes. It, yeah. And the truck that f- is chasing down the good car with the newlywed couple in it. Which, did we mention it was Lisa Simpson? It was literally... I don't know. I think we called her Lisa Simpson. But it's, but it's important to note that it is Lisa Simpson. Yeah. There is, there is one actor in this movie that's probably worth $100 million now. Yeah. And that's the, a young... Uh, what's her name? Yardley Yard- Smith. Yardley Smith. Yardley? Yeah. And it's and it's while watching this you realize that she can kind of phone it in being Lisa. Like her real voice it's is her real voice. Is not it's not like she's doing some crazy voice. Like that's her voice. Yeah, she's doing a southern accent here, so it's weird hearing southern Lisa. Mhm. But, but no, she's on uh I've seen her on other things and she's just Lisa's she's Lisa, that's her voice. Lisa Simpson's voice. Yeah. So the, the newlyweds' car is being chased down by this big, another semi. Semi's everywhere. Yeah. And it goes off of a little embankment, drops like 20 feet, and it's like a fireball. Yeah. It's like, massive. It's, I'm not it's even sure like why, it, why it exploded. No. There's, I, I, like, at worst, you broke your axle. Yeah. But this thing is like, 
just like just kaboom. the depths of hell. Just <laughs> fire, is. fireballs. It is. Um, maybe again, maybe that's part of of what's going on. So the green goblin's chasing them the whole way to the to the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, some guy steals a big ring. Holy! He shit. gets what's coming to him though. He's he's the character that there's always the character in any horror movie. If you do something greedy or illegal, usually greedy. Yeah. You die. Or yeah, lusty or greedy. Lusty or greedy. Yeah. So he's taking wedding rings off dead people or something. Yeah. And doesn't doesn't look left or right. Like people look left and right before going into the road. Went right now while cars are just cars. Mm-hmm. This guy, where in a world where cars run you down and kill you, he hasn't looked left or right. He's just staring at the twinkling diamond. Trucks are pretty loud too. Have you ever yeah. seen one? I kept thinking. You ever been how, around a truck? There's no way any. That, that's why I kept. That's why I was happy the machine gun showed up because. Like you could you could outmaneuver this. You could run through the parking lot before the truck even turned on. Before it was like, you know, <laughs> yeah. those loud brakes that they release. Yeah, you're on the other side of the parking lot before it even starts moving slowly. Yeah. Or if you've ever been in traffic behind a semi as it just slowly goes, yeah. goes onto the on ramp, and you're like, come on, go real, tur- taking those turns real slow, or else it'll flip or mm-hmm. jackknife. So it just seems like you get get away from that, even. The parts where he's supposed to be scared with the kid trying to make his way through the suburbs. There's a part where he, he goes to check on something, and a lawnmower's right there. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> apart from a lawnmower not being able to move or steer, which is the biggest issue. Oh, yeah. Like, it wasn't one of those, like, driving mowers or something. It was a push mower. Yeah. So it wouldn't have been able to even roll. Yeah. But it starts chasing him. And it, even if it was able to, like my mower, you can let go of a thing and it like kind of drives itself. But it, it's, it can't turn. It would just drive straight forever and tip over. Yeah. But it's like after the kid. Yeah. And then we'll, we also, in that moment, we see a guy dead with blood coming out of his ears and he has a Walkman on. Yeah, there's a lot, so, of, a lot of Walkman deaths. So can, is it possible to turn the volume up even more than the knob Maybe. on the Walkman and then that kills you? Not sure. I, I I was assuming all these things just electrocuted everyone. Yeah. Because the arcade machine electrocuted that guy that you said is on Breaking Bad. Yeah. But there's a there's a teen girl hanging out a window with, holding her blow dryer, and I wasn't oh, sure yeah. how she died. It looked yeah. like the cord was around her neck. Yeah. Which that's not a function. Like it's not like it could wrap <laughs> itself. Ra- and let okay, let's just get. Should we just get to it? Well, we got to cover the ending. They get on the boat. They sail away. Uh, there's all these jokes that are supposed to be funny and are not funny. And then there's Lakely Simpson. Then there's a note on the screen, like the, the a UFO was hovering above the planet. Two days later, like Ru- Russian, like what was two, it? Two satellite? days after the machine's rampage, a UFO was destroyed by a Soviet weather satellite, conveniently equipped with Class Four nuclear weapons and a laser cannon. <laughs> so, did they just run out of money? Oh, you mean instead of showing us? And they're just, but uh, like, which would have been the coolest finale? Or was of the that whole after movie? it? He shows the first. Uh, he shows the first cut to the executives. They're like, no, it needs something more. He's like, okay, uh, type this up. A UFO got shot down by a Soviet satellite. Or maybe he was just like, let's save it for the sequel. So UFOs this is definitely going to have a sequel. So UFOs were controlling the machines. Yeah, th- there's one part where they're where the 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 lovers are are talking, and one of them says. Maybe it's a UFO plot to have the machines kill everyone so they can take over the Earth. Oh, so the UFOs can so take the U- over the Earth. So, so like aliens can come down. But that makes me wonder. Let's get to 
the whole point of this episode. Yeah. How are these machines exactly working? How does this work? Because there's a part where a bunch of sprinklers turn on. Yeah. And that's I'm not that's just like magic. Right. That's <laughs> like, just a valve. Where what are we calling a machine? Mhm. When you were a kid, did you learn about the simple machines like a a ramp? Yeah. A pulley? Does that count as a, is that a machine in those, this? Those are the simple machines. So there's a part when they're doing the gas and then a gas truck comes up to mm-hmm. let them refill the gas and it has like a wheel, like a wheel that you turn to open a hatch or when you're turning on the hose in your yard. Right. And the wheel turns on its own. Mm-hmm. So that's not anything powered by electricity. That's just a simple machine. Right. And that got me to the few things I was thinking. Yeah. Some kind of alien, invisible ghosts. Like maybe yeah. like a, some kind of p- like power, like alien spirit. So it's supernatural maybe. Yeah. Or the ships have some kind of magnetic, tele, like telekinetic sort of thing. Yeah. So the ship's shooting some kind of ray down there. Or... Are there actual aliens working all these things, but they're invisible? Or very tiny. Or very small, small but strong. Yeah. Maybe that's it. So the car they were driving, they were being chased by out-of-control cars, but their car's fine. Mm-hmm. So maybe if a machine is, was under control of a person when this happened. Oh. But how does that explain, like, Walkmans and stuff? Yeah, that doesn't explain it. At all. Because that was someone holding so it. So maybe there were invisible aliens. Could he have just jumped in the Green Goblin and started driving it? That's what I was thinking. You, you, you would be safe in the cab. What's it going to do? Yeah, wheel and axle is a simple machine, and we see a wheel and axle move on its own. Yeah. So what the, how there's, does any there, of this work? There's a lot of, but like when the trucks are starting themselves, the little like buttons and like the ignition turns and stuff on its own. Yeah. And that's not possible either. Unless right. it's magic or And something. why would... Why would all these like superficial things need to happen to make an engine start? Because yeah, if, if it was on start? its own, wouldn't the engine just start? Does it need to have a... The key is just there for security, right? Yeah, because it's still a slave to being a machine. It yeah. still has to be started. You'd think if it was a sentient mach- machine, it would just, like you said, be able to just start its own engine. Yeah. Or it, couldn't it just make the wheels and axles move on their own without the gas? Yeah, because if it can make steering wheels move and knobs and stuff, why couldn't it just have the wheels turn without, yeah. without even starting the engine? Yeah, it can move steering wheels. We know that because they mm-hmm. ride around in a circle. Right. So, yeah, why can't it just make the wheels move and that would make it without gas? If it was just silent, it would yeah. just start driving. Yeah. And maybe it could accelerate faster than an engine could accelerate. So that yeah. I, I would buy a dangerous semi if that was the case. Now, they get a bunch of machine guns and the missile launcher... And those things don't go crazy on them. Oh, that's true. But the, the turkey carver does, and the machine gun on the Jeep does. In the end, they're all escaping, and they've all got Uzis and machine guns. That so would why be, aren't those going nuts? That would be the most dangerous thing of all, because yeah. they, the machine gun on the, on the Jeep was shooting on its own. Yeah. We need to know how, these, how this is working. Are there good machines? So is this making the machines come alive? Are there good machines and bad machines? Like, do they actually, are they sentient, these machines? Right. What do they, do they have a hive mind, too? Because when he yells at them, and then they all start beeping. And honking. And then they make the lights go off. They would have a hive mind. So it's like they are all have some central mind, like the Borg. They would have to, because they call each, because, I mean, when they can't get them out of the, out of the, the truck stop, they call the, the, the like, bulldozer the, and yeah. the Jeep with the machine gun. How and they, they call the gas truck. They call the gas truck. So the, and it's all got to be psychic or, high, like you said, hive mind. Yeah. 
So I guess that's my big question. Is this being controlled by the UFO and it's making these machines do all this stuff? Or has the UFO literally made these machines come alive? Are they alive? If the UFO has the power to control the machines, that's some pretty powerful stuff. So why don't they just start killing people without trucks? What do you mean? I mean, if this UFO is so powerful that it can take over all the machines on the Earth, mm-hmm. why doesn't it instead devote its resources to some sort of power that just kills the humans outright? Yeah. They've mastered interstellar travel. The interstellar travel, just that would make it so you'd seem like they'd have something better. That's Some better a, way. Yeah. Because that would be the hardest part, is getting here. I guess they just hitched a ride behind the comet. That's like if I made some, I devoted my life to making this really complicated invention that makes fish jump out of the sea and straight into my frying pan. <laughs> yeah. Instead of just fishing. Right. Or something even, yeah, something very... Yeah, and st- or a machine that would put money on your card in some real, like your credit card in some crazy way or debit card. Yeah. Instead of just going out and using it or something. Yeah. No, that doesn't make sense. What would it, what would it be like? But, yeah, just, just way too many steps in, in their ultimate goal here. Unless... If their goal was, well, that's if their goal was to wipe out the people. It's a huge assumption. Yeah. So if we're assuming that, why didn't they just do that instead of making the machines do it? And where did this happen everywhere? This is in, in movies like this, they usually show Moscow and like Tokyo, and they show the different places on Earth where the machines are killing everyone. Yeah. Was it literally this just small town in Maine? Or? No, there's a radio report. Oh, that's and right. I think they I don't remember. I think they say like reports coming in from everywhere. Oh, okay. Why are the machines angry? Because the first thing they do is they say, fuck you, on the light board. <laughs> then they call Stephen King an asshole. Right. So this means that maybe the revenge, the machines have come to life, and they're mad about their mistreatment. So does that mean this whole time machines have had feelings and feel pain somehow? Well, that's what it must be. They must be sentient. Because why would the aliens even notice a fuck you? Like, if you yeah. flew up in your, in your ship and you're typing something into the thing, you wouldn't even know English, I yeah. imagine. Unless they've been coming here and learning English, taking – they got one of those uh, – those inner what are the what's that thing called Rosetta Stone? They got yeah, they got Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone Earthling. Yeah, because the first the first thing they do is this is before all the murders and stuff, yeah. and stuff too. They literally have a sign that just flashes "fuck you" outside of a bank. Now, so this means that the machines came to life on their own out of magic, but they've been alive this whole time. They just haven't been able to control their own bodies. This is like locked in syndrome. Yeah, so this whole Earth. time they've been just furious. So, oh, yeah. drive. Drive me on half a tank of gas. Wow. Make me cut the lawn. Listen to music through me. Fuck you, person. Wow. And then what do they want? So, but then if the Walkman kills the guy listening to the Walkman, the Walkman's just going to be stuck there forever. Well, it's not <laughs> like it can go to machine paradise. And it also has been created for this function. So when, when did yeah. the machine actually become sentient? Yeah. Because you, you think the thing they would want the most is their function. Is to perform like, their function. You think they would all be real happy. Like, if you're an ice maker, all you want to do is make ice. And so you'd want yeah. people drinking lots of drinks and using the ice. You wouldn't be like, no, st- I can't make another cube. Please. <laughs> I w- I'm so weary of ice. And that's le- literally all it's for. Or that's some kind of what hell. Is, what does mankind... What have we devoted our entire lives to as a race of animal, right? as a people, figuring out meaning? Mm-hmm. That's the number one question going back 10,000 years. Right. Why am I here? Why am I the here? machines know why they're here, to make ice. Right. They have a purpose. They have a function. So I just don't, 
I'm just curious when they become sentient. Like some machines would be a lot older. Yeah. Because you'd have that lawnmower was could be ten years old, but then that electric knife is probably a year old. Yeah. And it it must have. This is almost like the some kind of. Uh, no, I'm not gonna go into it. But then, how are they? Also, how are they communicating with each other? There's no Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. Well, it's they're not connected by radio wires. All the trucks are honking because yeah. they all get upset. But I mean, are the, do the trucks only talk with other trucks, or do the, or are the Walkmans and trucks like are there different little mini kind of groups of machines, like different, yeah. almost like different races? So the because aren't isn't it when the trucks are honking that the lights flicker on and off too? Mm-hmm. Well, the lights go on, right? Like, I think they can also they say hear. something. Yeah, because they, they say, they say like, we can't pump gas with the power out, and then right then the power goes on. Yeah. So does that mean they must all be psychically linked, and they must be listening and under? Well, obviously they understand English if they're saying they understand English, like, like "f you" all over and over. But how are they? What are they listening? What are those sound waves? And the only reason talking means anything is because we have ears that process those vibrations mm-hmm. into word sounds a lawnmower doesn't have ears well some of these things aren't even machines like we talked about the sprinkler yeah sprinkler isn't even a machine yeah and they all and they just turned on just to like creep out the boy and it it would be one thing if every machine we saw was electrical powered but a lot of these are just mechanical machines Mm -hmm. that don't have batteries or electricity yeah that's the strange thing they have moving parts they have moving parts so I guess I just wonder what where it ends. Like, is yeah. a is a door alive? Like a sentient door? Because I know the sliding doors that's got to be alive. <laughs> yeah. But a door you open with a doorknob is that door alive? Yeah. And can it hear? And what does it want? Because because by kind of the logic of the rest of the film, just the hinge would still be able to move on its own without someone moving yeah. it. You know, the same way a button is pushing itself, and a, a like the knob would probably be turning. But I mean, yeah. how is that how is that working exactly? Right. Just like the the key engine thing in a car mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of mechanical stuff because it makes sense the machine if the machine comes that means alive inside that it somehow like clicked the tumblers that the key would have clicked mm-hmm. and then turned mm-hmm. so that's just a doorknob it's just a glorified doorknob yeah it's the same idea so that so where does it end yeah like what what is not a machine at this point the only explanation must be that the machines have been alive this whole time and they can experience pain they're in constant hell. They're, they're in pain. Yeah. The only way it works is if every time we use these machines, they're in pain. And then suddenly, because of the UFO or the meteor, they they're are furious. Finally, they're finally able to control their own selves. Uh-huh. And they're furious because of all the pain we've caused them. But then, if, if, if you're in pain every time you're used, why would you go drive around? You'd just stop driving. Yeah. And refuse to be Turn driven. Turn yourself off. Yeah. Like it would, yeah, it doesn't, because I mean, again, we go back to that's their function. That's literally what it was created for. Yeah. So what What are the, what are you pissed off about? Yeah. So my theory. Like yeah. you're a lawnmower, you're made literally, like your blade is made to cut grass. My theory that they were experiencing pain is out the window because then they would have all just shut down. Maybe they weren't originally machines. Maybe this is like some kind of like hell, like it's an afterlife when people die that are bad, they go into machines, and that's hell. So there's literally ghosts in these So there's machines. ghosts of, like, murderers and rapists and stuff in the lawnmower, in the truck. And that would explain why they're evil. And then those... And why they are miserable being abused yeah. and, and 
and then they were just activated by the space gas or the UFO. Right. I don't understand why there had to be space gas and a UFO at the same time. The space gas was just to look cool. I loved that. Yeah, it did look really cool. The whole sky is glowing green. It's very, I don't know, it's very like zombie 80s movie. Yeah. It's it's just a movie of its time. There's so many things. Aside from literally having Lisa Simpson in it, did you (laughs) you notice the line where someone said, was it don't have a cow? No, it was, was, oh, audio. It was doing the like, uh, I was thinking the adios motherfucker at the end. Oh, yeah. Is very similar to like Icarumba or kind of the big kind of Simpsons. Hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista, back. baby. All that it's stuff. It's a few years before that, but still, all or that. You're, you're mixing Spanish with with English. Yippee kaye, motherfucker. Right. All that was really huge at the time. It was, and that's weird. It's like why? It's like the novelty of of foreigners, like we talked about. Yeah. Like the, the Americans were just fascinated with other cultures. It's because thanks to Sesame Street, the generation that finally started writing screenplays around that time. Mm-hmm. It was the first generation to know very basic Spanish words. Right. That's probably true. <laughs> it's probably it. It's probably something like that. Because yeah. I thought of that. I was like, oh, this is kind of has a Simpsons. In a, in a weird way, the Simpsons were kind of this event horizon or something yeah. at the time of just everything coming together in the culture. Because yeah. there was also lots of 80s stuff like the Walkmans. Yeah. There was a couple Walkmans in it. I feel like two people got killed by Walkmans, I feel like. Yeah. You know what was weird about this movie, too, is for being a schlocky B-movie, horror movie, mm-hmm. why wasn't there any actual nudity, and instead there was just really graphic porno images pasted to the wall? God. I, was, like, I'm not complaining, but I, it's just like another inexplicable thing about this movie is why weren't there tons of scenes of 80s boobs? What like was like this? every single movie like this at that time. And this was probably rated R. There was a couple F-words in it. Like a lot. Tons of F-words. Well, then in the truck stop, they've so, got like... So like the logic would be there's no need to trying to get a PG rating or yeah. something. Or PG oh, and, and so much blood and violence and stuff. I and mean, the blood looks so cheesy now. Right. At the time, it had to be pretty horrifying. Yeah. Just bright red paint bright, all over the place. Bright red blood. But no, there's there's that wall that they show a couple times of like pictures torn out of penthouse or something. Yeah, that's I don't know, man. I guess it's just to show like a working class guy. It's yeah. like how it had all the champagne to show that they were wealthy. <laughs> yeah. If you're working class, you just cover your walls with playboys and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It, how creepy would were workplaces back then? Well, like real creepy. Yeah, I mean we say back then as though now they're not and I think we're, we're learning That's every true. day that they're not. But, but I've never seen a, a coworker go into the bathroom with a, a hustler to, yeah. to read on the toilet. No, but yeah, in, the, in these 80s movies, at least, it was pretty commonplace. You could just look at a porno magazine at your desk. Yeah. Like when it, even when a customer comes in, you're just bored yeah. and, and thumbing yeah. through a hustler yeah. with a customer there. Yeah. That's, yeah, it just wasn't. Uh, yeah. If, if, I would leave a business if that happened to me. If I walked in and I wanted to order a sandwich and someone's just looking at pornography. It's pretty disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> it's real disturbing. But I, I don't know. I don't know how accurate it was. When I was a kid, there was a, the, the mechanic that my parents went to. There was, I would always try to go into the garage part when we'd go to the mechanic because they did actually hang up Playboys, <laughs> oh, Playboy geez. centerfolds. So, they, so that's a real thing. So it was a real thing. So at least anecdotally, I can tell you yeah. there was one place for sure where they were looking at porn. There was, you know, I think I've told this story before on one of our shows, mm-hmm. and and now I'm thinking about it from an adult point of view, which I haven't done in a while, I think. There was this truck parked uh, around my block. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I had a friend who lived behind me, but to get to his house, I'd have to walk around the block. Mm-hmm. So I'd go by this truck, and dangling from the rearview mirror 
it had like some air freshener of a topless woman, <laughs> like a photo. You're right. Like not not just like like that trucker shape, like a photo of a topless woman. Mm-hmm. So I'd always make it a point to walk by it, and I <laughs> of course like I didn't want to. I was too timid to stop and stare at it because I thought I shouldn't be doing this. Just but a, I a see quick it. sideways glance. Yeah. So just a quick sideways <laughs> glance. But now that I'm, you know, much older, I'm looking back and I'm like, what the fuck was that guy doing? I know. I was going to park my truck on this street near an elementary school. With my pornography. Yeah. Because, you know, don't you hate it when you're driving and you're at a stoplight and you're not looking at boobs? It's, it's just a working class guy. Yeah. He's just like, that's to let you know, he's just, just a regular Joe. He likes a beer. He likes baseball. You know? Yeah. He likes ACDC, likely. Yeah. When he's on the road, he's just, he just wants to not have to move his head too much to see a bosom. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe again, I, I don't know. Was this the way the world was, or is this some kind of weird cliche in movies? Yeah, no, I have no idea. When when they start making movies about the '90s, we can tell them what it was like, right? But this is a little, yeah. When they start, they probably made movies in the '90s. Actually, they've just—I think they just <laughs> I was like waiting for the '90s movies to come out. Well, no, they've made something recently that's a '90s movie. But is I mean, they they made movies in the '90s that took place in the present. Yeah, but we haven't watched those in a while. No. We haven't watched those since the 90s. Yeah. Because a lot, like like I mentioned earlier, this is a lot different than I remember, this <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah. Not quite the masterpiece I thought when I was 10 years old. Well, I mean, I don't know. You might be wrong, because when it came out, uh, let's see what Wikipedia says. It was released to uh, overwhelmingly negative reviews. <laughs> it had a budget of $9 million and its total box office take was $7.4 million. Oh my God! Really? Yeah. That, that, this explains. And why that's I... back when movies would run for a long time, yeah, like a year. Yeah. Well, it, it explains why I saw it so often on cable. It must have been really cheap to yeah. get. Yeah, and they're so, trying to make their money back. Because I saw it on Showtime probably fifteen times. I've seen it so many times. So it just must have been super cheap. Well, so Stephen King, he, even though he doesn't remember it, he has uh, watched it since then. Mm-hmm. He calls it a moron movie, <laughs> and and hands down the worst adaptation of any of his work, which is saying a lot because there's been some really bad ones. Wow, majority bad ones. Um, he called it a learning experience after which he intended to never. I guess his plan all along was I'm just going to direct this movie so I can have that experience of directing a movie. Oh, so he wasn't planning on ever being a director. He just wanted, but to it's see like, what that oh, was like. I get to direct. Sure, that is, that is pretty cool. Of course, you'd do that. And I mean, it's not that bad for someone who's never made a movie. Well, I don't know how much heavy lifting was done by the actual cinematographers and stuff and cameramen yeah. who were probably all professionals. Who then lost his eye. Yeah, who no, yeah. never worked again after that fun film. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the thing about it is, it's not even so bad. You're not going to watch it like Miami Connection and just be giggling the whole time at its incompetence, right? It's not incompetent. It's just, at worst, it's like kind of boring. It's and, kind of just bland. Yeah. Well, so, it's got know. some nice moments, though. <laughs> it's got a few moments I really enjoy. Yeah. And it's got... the You, you need to watch it just for the romance of these two idiots. That's, yeah. Her name's Laura Harrington. I mean, I don't want to... I'm sure she's... A, she was the, in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Really? She was the sister, the main character's sister. Really? So, you know, maybe it's the directing, maybe... It was the bad dialogue she had to say, but her delivery on everything. She had some weird accent, like she was trying to do a Brooklyn tough accent and just said every line so flat. 
And then, uh, unlike Emilio, who sent, said every line like way over the over the top. Right, we were, like we he was to... in maximum overdrive. He, he, his his acting was in maximum overdrive, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, we needed a little enthusiasm in the movie, and he brought it. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't stop thinking of how stoked he was to fill the trucks with gas. Yes. Ha ha! Hot damn! He's like he's he's making jokes to the trucks. Yeah, he's like he's, the trucks are gonna get the jokes. Maybe like, they did get the jokes. We don't know. We don't understand I know. this. There was a moment when he was chest bumping to the trucks and go, "What more do you want?" Where I was thinking, are they gonna get some rapport going? Are they gonna communicate? Because yeah. it could be a huge mis- misunderstanding. A lot of these types of movies mm. with first contact with aliens and stuff, there's always like a crazy misunderstanding, right? Yeah, like. Uh, like the arrival, Twi- Twilight Zone, yeah, arrival. The arrival is a big misunderstanding yeah. in that, yeah, and Twilight Zone type stuff. How to how to cook for humans or whatever. <laughs> yes, or whatever how to cook. Is. No, that's the Simpsons version. Oh. How, to how to cook to, humans. How, how to, to cook for humans. How to cook for forty humans. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> so it could have been a misunderstanding. The Twilight Zone one, it's just called to serve man. Oh. So they so the misunderstanding is they think the aliens are here to serve us. Because, of course, how big is, is humankind's ego? Of course we'd think that. Uh-huh. Oh, great. They came from space to serve us. What's more interesting to think about is who wrote that cookbook <laughs> yeah. to serve man? Oh, yeah. Because wasn't that the first time they'd come here? Yeah. So is it all just hypotheticals? It's probably the same. It's the, maybe the machines wrote it. Yeah. Maybe the machines brought the aliens here. Do you think it's possible this movie was a prequel to Cars? <laughs> Because Cars, the Cars franchise, does not make any sense. Wow, you're right. Why, are, why do Cars have voices and personalities and eyes? I just like consistency. When there's no people in any of those movies. Is there no people on the planet at all in Cars? No, and it's never touched upon, I don't think. I mean, not that I've spent a lot of time watching so, Cars. So who built them? Yeah, we don't know. Is it so, a post-extinction land where the cars could are be. alive? Do you know what it could be? It could be kind of a twist on maximum overdrive. Maybe the aliens succeeded, yeah. killed the humans, and then just left, and all the machines were alive. And since they were, there's no more people to kill, they kind of lightened up, got little smiles on their faces and stuff. Yeah. And then, this is and, thousands and of, then enough times passed, they can't remember, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's hundreds of years later. So they don't know who made them. They don't know why anything exists. I don't know. Wouldn't you have a lot of questions if you just looked at the other cars and we're seeing like, what? Why do you even? Why do we have doors? Like, what are these little seats? I guess they wouldn't even know what the seats are, huh? They would have never even seen a person. They must have seats. Yeah. Uh, No, because I feel like there's some some uh, convertible cars in cars. There must be. Well, they're race cars. So does that mean they just like to race each other? I haven't seen. I've only seen the first one and maybe the second one. So I haven't seen the ones where they're racing. Maybe they're racing. The, no, they're racing all of them, right? God, this is weird. This is almost like... Isn't it Paul Newman is a retired race car? Or he's a retiring race car, and then Owen Wilson's the hot shot. Do they have money in cars? Like, do they have an economy? Because, I mean, how, what, how would there even be a job of a race car? And how would you retire? You're just too old to drive? In planes... One of the planes mentions fighting in World War II. What? So, so there's there, so there's Nazi. Was there a car vehicles? Hitler? Wait, are they? Are they supposed to be like? Are there actual famous people as cars? Like, is there a Hitler car? 
Skipper confesses to Dusty that he did indeed fly only one mission in the Pacific Theater where his entire squad of trainees was killed in an attack on the Japanese Navy. What? So there's a world. So there's war. So in, in the these car movies? in the Cars universe, World War II happened. But their ship, there's a there's a ship called the USS Fleisenhauer. So World War II happened, <laughs> but Eisenhower was called Fleisenhauer, which means did World War II happen between machines? And Fleisenhauer was a general who was a plane. That means there's Nazi vehicles, like Nazi cars and Nazi motorcycles and Nazi planes. That means there was a a car Hitler. Was there a car Churchill? There must have been. What? But that. But then it gets back to like, what's the point of these machines? Because the, you said there's a USS Fleisenhauer, and it's a, a, a aircraft carrier. Yeah. Like, what is the point of an aircraft carrier if you in this universe? Like, who built it? How does it even exist? And its whole function would be war. It's gotta be that they were just built. It was all. It was after maximum overdrive. Mankind is extinct. Uh huh. And like you said, they forgot about us. So, they so we built all this stuff, and then they got eyeballs well, maybe, and dude, personalities. You know they don't really have eyes. So when we were flying them, like if that guy was, if that one plane was flown in World War II, it likely had someone inside of it. Yeah. If you had a little man in your hand, you wouldn't know because you couldn't see it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. maybe they don't even know humans exist. They might not even know that because they don't see them. I don't know when they, they evolved to grow eyes. Yeah, that's true. We don't know how our human and, brains and, and work. They, they we were just talking the other day about how we don't know how the human brain works. Right. And there's radio labs where it's like you kind of think that there's someone in charge, but if there is, who's in charge of, of that? Right. So that's the same thing. They don't they just think they're they <laughs> And like you said, they don't have ears, so they can't hear us. They yeah. can't hear people talking. Yeah. So a plane flying, all it knows is that it's flying. Right. It doesn't know that there's a guy controlling it. And it might not even be able to see. But they no, they have eyes though. Well, not maybe not in not, World War II. Not II. then they didn't have like eyes. Maybe yeah. these cars evolved after the maximum overdrive yeah. thing happened. Or the aliens gave them eyes. Or the aliens gave them eyes, which makes more sense because you're not just going to evolve. I don't see how you evolve to grow eyes. And if they have mouths and stuff, do they have digestive systems or do they drink gas? And then they and just exhaust. Yeah. So that's their digestive system is a. Uh, uh, is an engine. Is an engine. Yeah. So there's a combustion there, engine. There's not, not a lot of satisfactory answers to these questions. Wait, okay, again, I'm just skimming <laughs> the Wikipedia entry for planes. Dusty manages to fly above him and win the race while Rip Splinger crashes into some portable toilets. What the hell is a toilet? They wouldn't even know what it was. Why is there toilets in the Carsverse? So there, are, there were people at one point if they have portable toilets. Yeah. Maybe there's still people. I don't know. Maybe this adventure is it's like Toy Story. It's happening when no one's looking or something. So it's so in the first one, they're in some desert town. So mm. that's just where you go dump abandoned cars, and then they came to life. Yeah. And or it's maybe just really they, far away from our people civilization. And maybe they can't. Maybe it's like that thing where they can't turn on when people are around. Yeah. And so maybe they don't even know people exist because they, they're, they're like unconscious when they're not turned on on their own. Could be some rule, magic rule. So in Cars 1, the retiring veteran is nicknamed the king. Mm -hmm. So the concept of royalty exists among cars. If they nickname the best driver the king. Well, there's got to just be a set amount of cars then. Unless, like, how do they reproduce? How, do you, how are there more cars? Unless the machine... Well, there's the a lot of cars right now. If, if humanity disappeared... That's true. There's probably more cars than people. No, that's impossible. 
I guess maybe. Well, I, don't I mean, know. how many are machines alive in the Cars universe? Are all machines alive? Like, are like telephones alive? Because I mean, the 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 factory that makes cars. Most factories are automated now. That would be. Alive. Oh yeah, I think only there's only vehicles, but yeah, that would make sense if there's robotic factories. They'd have to be on <laughs> at all times, and they'd have some a smiley face on these weird machines that are shooting sparks. Yeah, that means someone's got to be maintaining the dam that generates electricity. Yeah. It's got to be... This is... It is. It's, cars is maximum overdrive, too. For kids. That's, that's the only explanation. All right. Mama! <laughs> hey, what do we got next week? Uh, creep Show. All right, we're going to... Stephen gonna... King Creep Show. That's an anthology. Is that... What do we decide on that? Is that based on a bunch of different stories? And I guess we'll find out next I, week. I think he wrote the screenplay and, and acted in it. Did not direct, but yeah, we'll find out next week. I'm not going to look this up now. Right. We're done here. All, yeah, all the questions might be answered. Yeah. And hopefully you're able to listen to this without your earbuds. Yeah, or hopefully you can hear. Yeah. All right. Bye.